Hello and welcome to episode number 328 of the Super Horror Bros podcast. I'm your host Matt and joining me as always is my brother Mike. Hello. How's it going? Pretty good, pretty good. The countdown is on. Yeah, we. this is our sort of last, not even regular episode because we finished off our brand new movie coverage last week with Violent Night, which was an absolute delight. Yeah. Um, and hopefully people have already listened to that one. Um, but before we reconvene for the big one the final show of the year where we rank and order our top 10 horror movies of 2022 we wanted to take a little break a little uh sideways look or should we say backwards look um because we haven't done one of these in a little while it's been nice how busy we've been with new releases um but we need to get cracking with this ranking with craven list um we really which yeah we've got 14 on the list so far we're getting there like the end is in sight um potentially next year we'll finish this thing what started in uh during covid which is mad to think about um and yeah, so yeah, we'll get to that shortly because we've got a very exciting movie to talk about. Um, but yeah, as far as news, there's only one news item this week worth talking about, um, which is a nice little trailer. And it's it's also worth noting that I don't know if what we, we might talk about it next week. Basically, we normally don't do news and that sort of thing because it's not a regular show mm. next week. But I'm pretty sure the new Scream trailer is out next week. Um, which it might it might have already come out after we record as well so either way like we'll we'll definitely obviously be talking about there's plenty of time to talk about it next week but uh, or next year rather um but that is on the horizon anyway just to keep uh yeah that's pretty exciting that we're going to be seeing the first footage yeah of uh, the new screen movie which is fast on the horizon indeed um another trailer came out this past week um i don't think there's still no release date on this one which is surprising um because we've kind of known about this one for a while we know that it is coming next year and it's nice to see a proper trailer because that pretty much confirms like oh yeah this is i mean this has already been rated we've we've talked about it in the ratings board and the kind of cuts that had to be made um but this is infinity pool um which is of course uh brandon cronenberg's follow-up to possessor um starring two actors who have made quite a splash in the horror genre in 2022 of course that is mia goth and alexander skarsgård um so a pretty crazy trifecta of reasons to be excited about this movie um with those three people involved um and of course possessor being one of the most unique and insane movies we've seen for the podcast um do you think infinity pool is is going to be able to follow up to to possessor um yeah i mean obviously it's a it's a crazy kind of first movie to um or f- movie to follow up from and um but this trailer looked pretty goddamn interesting obviously like you say it's got the it's got the cast like the the cast look great they look like uh they are you know in roles as well that they're going to be able to get stuck into and really go for you know kind of mia kind of her character in particular looked kind of you know, like, like she's going to have a really good time with that. Um, and yeah, it looked, um, just kind of fairly insane and Cronenbergian. So I, you know, those are good things for me, really. Um, I I think, um, like with most, like at this point with his movies, I just kind of like, okay, cool. I just want to see it. Like I've seen this trailer and I'm now just like, yep, great cast. He's awesome. Like, let, let's go. So I'm, I'm just ready now. Yeah, I loved this trailer. Um, I thought it was absolutely insane. I think just visually, it already looks so impressive. Um, let alone like the performance, like you say, of these two actors. And yeah, I've, I've seen it once last week. I won't be seeing it again. Like, this was definitely a movie that we, of course, were, were going to be seeing day one, regardless. But having now seen the footage mm-hmm. and being like, oh yeah, like this looks like the general vibe that I wanted. But I still don't really know much about what the film actually is. And I'm really happy about that. Um, so yeah, I'm definitely going to be going cold from this point. And cannot wait. I hope we get a release date soon. Um, so then we can really start to sort of get hyped for this movie. But yeah, all all things are pointing towards this being one of the big heavy hitters of next year, I think. Um, and it's interesting. Like, I wonder when the quote unquote Cronenbergian is going to have a new meaning 
um because mm. typically meant body horror and you know the, the the things that his father made very famous whereas yeah this is cronenbergian but it's brandon cronenbergian which is you yeah. know this meld of obviously of course his father did it as well but just i love that it's so sci-fi and so horror at the same time it was by far the best thing about possessor is that it's it's equal you know both of those things and it, and it does both of them exceptionally well and i and i think this is going to do the same thing or at least i hope um but yeah it's very very exciting I, I love seeing stuff like this that we've got kind of like another new name to look forward to even after just one movie and now we're getting to again see his follow-up movie and a lot of these directors that we've been able to follow over the last sort of five or six years we're, you know we're really starting to build up this amazing collection of these directors now and yeah brandon is okay, right yeah. there yeah it's absolutely fantastic um but yeah shall we uh shall we talk about this week's film let's do it let's talk about wes craven's new nightmare So yeah, this is uh, back in 1994. Um, what time? Yeah, so this was three years, I believe, after the last movie, People Under the Stairs. So a considerable break, really, for him at the time, especially, um, mm. because he was pretty prolific. It is interesting that we're still... He wasn't having any nightmares for a while. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. We know this. <laughs> um, but obviously we're still pre-scream which is fascinating as well because obviously post this we we will then jump very far forward in his filmography when we get to the next movie in this list because <laughs> we've obviously already done the the scream trilogy or all, all four but obviously it was the scream trilogy was what was next um and yeah this is kind of fascinating that it's i mean it's so many different things it's the 10-year anniversary at the time of a nightmare on elm street which you know kind of plays into the story as well um yeah there was what five sequels so there was already six entries in the it's, franchise <laughs> it's mental when they speak about it in this movie and when they said like oh it's the 10-year anniversary of freddy yeah. i was like shut the fuck up <laughs> i was like freddy must have been around for about 20 years mm. and i was like man they they milked that tea like hard for 10 years <laughs> yeah they really did um like it's crazy especially because there's a little bit of a gap between freddy's dead and this right like it's two or three years i think yeah i think so yeah like one of one of the biggest gaps um and so they were really pumping out like one a year like yeah, they, they were going yeah they were they were going kind of full full sore on this franchise like i i and i always remembered like friday the 13th pumping them out mm. but forgot how how kind of rabid like they were with these in the 80s yeah it was one or two years between every single sequel up until this point and then yeah this was three years um which is interesting because like i said the last one was freddy's dead um you know them trying to put this kind of definitive bookend on it and, and again it's interesting how that plays into the plot of this film um but yeah it's it's wes returning to you know his one of his biggest franchises um the first this is the first time he did it no this isn't the first time he's done a sequel right because obviously we had uh last we had uh hills of eyes part two hills of eyes, um yeah. so that i guess that was the only other one at this point um but yeah, yeah. it's kind of obviously he wrote and directed this movie as well he'd obviously had like some writing credits on a couple of the sequels obviously most notably the third one um mm. but for him to kind of return to the role in the director's chair and this is obviously such a different take because the previous movies all had the same sort of canon the same standalone you know thing yeah whereas this is very much set in its own universe it's very meta which is incredibly ahead of its time um which we'll obviously get into but it, that is the weirdest thing about watching this now and it's another reason why i'm so glad i kind of watched all the other sequels to get a full context because this feels like they retroactively went oh do you know what they did with scream let's do that with nightmare on elm street that's what this movie feels yeah. like but it's not it's the precursor to scream which is what makes it so I interesting well, i think that's the thing though it, it's yeah you could very much see a world where this came out after scream mm. and wasn't made by wes craven yeah. almost being like oh okay cool wes craven made scream this revolutionary movie like let's take one of his IP and let's screamify Nightmare on Elm Street. 
But yeah, like the fact that this was done by Craven as a precursor to Scream just shows where his mind was at and how he was kind of, you know, he was he was catching on to what he kind of, you know, wanted to do and used his existing IP to kind of, you know, stretch those legs and kind of see what it's all about. And, you know, th- th- this movie is just such a weird, like, standalone thing. It's it's so adjacent to Nightmare on Elm Street, like, and not, not, not in a bad way at all, but it just... Um, you know, it almost feels like it shouldn't be part of the, you know, list of the movies, you know, because it's it's such a different thing. It's such an awesome, crazy idea that was executed kind of, you know, they went so hard on it as well, which is which is crazy. Um, you know, throughout, throughout the movie, you kind of you, you meet Heather and obviously you're kind of like, oh, OK, cool. This is this is quite, cle- you know, cute and clever and everything. And then just like when these characters keep coming into play, into play. And then the way that they weave kind of this weird mythology in, like suddenly creating this this entity beyond Freddy Krueger for this movie, you know, it's 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 so wild when you think about it. Yeah, well, there's so many funny different things about that. Where like, did you notice the credits at the end? Um, where basically, like, a lot of people just say play themselves. Um, yeah. You know, Wes Craven as himself and loads of other ones, but Freddy Krueger, it just says plays himself. Um, <laughs> Robert England is just credited as playing himself. So, like, Robert England um. isn't actually credited as playing Freddy Krueger <laughs> in this film. Um, but it, I would love to know more about the production and stuff because there isn't too much kind of on Wiki and what I've read. I would I'd have right. to sort of rewatch the the sort of Never Sleep Again stuff because a lot of it's talking about. Um, basically his take on freddy and how that was his main kind of goal for this movie was to make Mm. him a lot darker and less comical um and it talks a lot about that which i think is really interesting but i would love to just know where the idea for this came from because like i say for this movie to come out when it did in 94 this is extremely ahead of its time in terms of the meta take on let alone a horror film but just a film we you know we see this in so many different things now um you know we literally just saw this in the matrix last year and and to see this happen in this film so long ago where robert england is in this movie playing himself you've got bob shea playing himself i know (laughs) like it's so weird and i well, that's the thing when you've got these actors you know like heather langenkamp is incredible mm. and she can she can act as herself you know and she can do that whereas bob shay <laughs> is playing bob shay in this movie you know wes craven is behind the camera and then play like his his scenes were particularly funny yeah. like it was just like it was just so weird like seeing it um but you're right. I think I think like this this movie, you know, would have been a seed of like, you know, I want Freddy to be taken seriously. You know, the the first movie he was incredibly dark, and that very quickly disappeared. And I want him to be dark, and and I want him to be scary again. And how do I do that? And then and then I think very quickly he moved on to he wanted Heather Langenkamp back. Yeah, and he was like, I need her back. She's pivotal to my story of nightmare on elm street and my freddy and their chemistry and he's like how the hell do i do that and this was before the 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 world of remakes and the world of let's just forget certain sequels <laughs> let's just call this nightmare on elm street part two you know we weren't in that world at that point and he was like shit i need a new nightmare like how am i gonna do this yeah people actually came and up like, with other reasons back then <laughs> yeah exactly and, and it's just crazy and like that you know that that's that's what's so you know clever now. You know, looking at this movie, where where yeah, now it just be like, okay, cool. We're just gonna we're gonna remake Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, actually, no. What we're gonna do is this is just a sequel, but it's a sequel only to the original. Mm. You know, and it's like, yeah, the, the, you know, yeah. That sometimes does help keep things simple, but but sometimes when it's not simple and you have a genius making it, then you can you can get something like this, which is just such a breath of fresh air for like a franchise and for you know you think at that point in the early 90s and how kind of stale horror kind of was Mm. getting and how you know scream does get given this this torch of bringing in this new age of horror but i'm like man this is a this is a fucking gem like you know really and and such a crazy concept i think you know as the movie plays out and we start to get more and more of these parallels of the first movie and kind of you know real life i just think it's i think it's played to perfection 
Yeah, it's really interesting. I think we'll, we'll I'll, I'll throw it back to you to do a quick uh, plot synopsis in just a sec. But the last thing I wanted to mention oh, about yeah. sort of um, kind of uh the background on this movie this movie is the lowest grossing nightmare on elm street film at the entire franchise um which it made just under 20 million at the box office however there is a massive asterisk against that which is that Mm. when it came out either the same i think it might have even been the exact same day or it was certainly the same opening weekend um a little movie came out that people didn't really think was going to be much and ended up to become one of the most important movies ever made uh which is a movie called pop fiction you might have heard of it um which went on to gross over 200 million dollars um at the box office multiple oscars of course and that's a bit rough yeah and they obviously didn't see it coming and I think it is worth noting that, yes, this movie wouldn't have made a shit ton of money. Of course not. But it wouldn't have been the lowest grosser. No question about it. It would have got at least another 10 million on top of what they did. Um, it's interesting because Freddy vs. Jason is the follow up nine years later. And that is the highest grossing entry in the whole franchise. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's just one of those funny little weird moments in history that, like, especially in the 90s, people have to remember that that could kill a film going up against a a behemoth that kind of comes out of nowhere. You didn't have your own marketing strategy. You didn't have like social media trends and web trends and all these different tracking devices. Now that yes, you don't want to go up against a big movie. It can kill you, but it's still, you can still carve out your own niche nowadays. Whereas that wasn't the case back then. Word of mouth was everything. And that's why everyone was like, you've got to go see this movie, Pulp Fiction. Um, And and yeah, it did, it did absolutely cripple this movie. No question about it. But I just thought found that to be a very interesting thing because you wouldn't yeah you wouldn't think so. this is the least is like the lowest performing um no no considering some of the sequels and the regularity that they were pumping them out but i think that's the thing though that like for really like i, I really think freddie's dead just through such like this definitive curveball to the franchise that that killed all momentum for it and mm. i'm not I don't even want to like shit on the film too much, but just everything about it, the oh, branding and what it was trying to do. It is a bad film as well, but I mean, you know, and I think um, they, you know, they, the other, the other sequels had become such this cultural icon that he was just like taking over MTV and all of these things. And like what we see in this movie. And it was just kind of like the momentum seemed like it was just snowballing and then Freddy's dead just just flew it into a brick wall and it it took you know Wes coming up with this crazy idea to to give it a chance to come back into the the cinema screens and it is a shame that it didn't perform yeah for sure and I think just from a the creativity aspect which again we'll get into talking about the actual film but like it is just such an interesting idea and I think that it, it ultimately just was ahead of its time and, and and thankfully this idea did get fleshed out and fully realized in screen which i think is the mm. kind of biggest saving grace is that we saw the precursor to nightmare on elm street in his early films particularly in deadly mm. blessing and kind of the realization of those ideas fantastically in the original nightmare on elm street and it's the same story here this movie has great ideas not a lot like some of them are fleshed out well some of them really aren't which we'll get into but like man did it get homed in such a perfect way later on um but yeah kind of do you want to give us a quick sort of synopsis about this film why not eh? why not i mean i think we've gone into it a bit but um yeah let's let's go for it uh basically um the opening scene of this movie like really does set the tone perfectly where it's it's basically um the opening scene of the first movie where this, the Freddy Krueger glove is being made, but it's super mechanical and more high tech and robotic. And kind of suddenly as the maker kind of starts to reveal that he's going to chop off his own hand to put this glove on, we kind of pan back and we can see that this is actually an ongoing movie set. And it is someone filming a nightmare on Elm street movie and kind of, we we peel back and we get into this world and basically we are in quote unquote the real world and Heather Langenkamp is playing herself and we have um you know Robert England, we have Wes Craven, we have kinda a lot of people from the first movie and um they're all playing themselves in a world where 
they are trying to kind of bring Freddy back to life in the on-screen world, but unbeknownst to them, Freddy is coming to life in the real world. Mm. Um, and I think it's it's played it's played very well in the initially like um, Heather is the one where like it, it her the start of the movie for her is chaotic, where she kind of has this son that's going through these like issues and he keeps trying to watch her movie and and he's kind of having problems he's trying to get back like in front of the camera because she's been away because she's had these kind of stalker issues and then this stalker is also still phoning and kind of sending stuff in the post and like oh and there's a shit ton of earthquakes happening at all times (laughs) and like all of that stuff is happening to her like all, all at the same time you know she's like late for a for a a a, a tv interview as her son has problems as she gets a phone call as an earthquake happens then she gets in the limo like it's it's so chaotic (laughs) like yeah like the opening of the movie is a million miles an hour and the movie really does keep going at that because it's trying to like it's trying to give you so much because it's trying to tell us who the character of heather langenkamp is in this world it's trying to set up kind of where the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise is in this world. What's going on with Dylan, her son? Oh, by the way, you know, Freddy's also real in this world. Mm. Like, do you know what I mean? It's just like all of these crazy things. And I think like a lot of films would have um, probably made it seem more like it wasn't actually Freddy Krueger or or a version of Freddy Krueger, like a person or a stalker and that sort of thing. But this movie doesn't do that like it, it's clearly like freddy krueger and everyone else just needs to play catch up um and and i think that was like an interesting choice and i think it was a good choice for freddy krueger you know you don't bury the lead you know you don't you don't create a halloween movie and not have michael myers in it you know that that would be silly and and i think like you know you don't do that with nightmare on elm street if you suddenly had like this this stalker being like, oh, is it Freddy or just a stalker? Like it would have, it would have taken away where it's like, no, this crazy shit's happening. It's just Heather needs to catch up to it and everyone else needs to as well. And I think that's what made it, you know, fun and, and worked. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I guess that's the the plot. I mean, I think, you know, with this movie, there, there's a lot to like that. There's definitely, you know, there's definitely a lot kind of rough around the edges as well. I think kind of this was in a, you know, an era of you know people were trying to create t2 sort of visual effects and clearly weren't (laughs) able to pull them off you know there's some real ropey stuff in this where it's like man like the scene there's a scene where the freddy glove comes through a car seat yeah and i was like just do that practical like that that's not a difficult thing to pull off practical i i think well, especially I mean, well the thing is that they're aping stuff they did 10 years ago yet it looks worse and it, and that is yeah, that well, is I weird mean, that's what the remake did yeah you know, the remake did that. And it's weird that new nightmare does it because yeah that looks bad you know there's a scene where she's falling like at the very end and going into the, like this dream world and it's like the falling bit looks awful then she lands and it's a real set and it looks awesome I'm like, maybe just get an actor to take a bit of a dive into this real set instead of like, you know. Um, I don't know, because some, yeah. some of the stunt work actually scared me, which we'll get into later. <laughs> <laughs> some of the stunt work is terrifying. <laughs> I mean, and we're also going to have to talk about fire at some point. Like, let's put a pin on that, because I do need to have a conversation about that, mm. because it's kind of hilarious. Um, I mean, I guess, it, I guess it is worth bringing up now, because we talk about the CG, and like, as this movie was going on, I suddenly, like, in my head, very clearly was like, oh, got to watch out for the Wes Craven, like, fire scene. Who's he going to set on fire in this movie? And as the final scenes kind of played out, and Nancy Lich, uh, well, I'd say Nancy, because she was Nancy at that point. Yeah. Uh, Heather slash Nancy was um, literally stabbing him with a flaming torch, and he wasn't setting on fire. <laughs> I was like, oh, Wes, you troll. And then, then I remembered the whole kind of finale of this movie and the Hansel and Gretel kind of, mm. you know, uh, boiler, you know, on fire thing. And I was like, oh, shit, he is going to get lit up. Like, where's is going to go full fire on it? And it's like this such a cheesy CG fire rendering that, that that's incredibly disappointing when I'm like, mate, you were doing like Swamp Thing movies like <laughs> 20 years ago, like 
setting people on fire for 10 minutes at, like and, and you're doing some cg fire shit now like can't wear yeah i have to imagine like, people told him like yeah we can just do it special effects and it'll look great and he's like oh, okay yeah. i trust you and i bet when he saw it he was fucking livid he was like i am setting <laughs> fire to every stunt man i see from this moment on <laughs> yeah he's like where the fuck's kane can i reshoot this yeah uh, yeah it, it was just it was just funny that like as a as like a our, our lineage of this of these reviews and how we've got obsessed with his with his firework that he's really like this is one of the most disappointing ones he's ever pulled off yeah um but yeah i mean it's 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 chaotic in it yeah it's it's a really bizarre film i think overall i enjoyed it quite a bit i think i really liked it it's just that there are <laughs> definitely things that really offend me um uh, but but like it's the sum of its parts is good i think it there's obviously the, the overall premise and concept is outstanding um mm. and i think that it's so interestingly kind of put together again i keep mentioning it but it is so ahead of its time and i think context is so important here when you discuss this film because we don't get so many other better films later on if it wasn't mm. for a movie like this so i do think it's it's you used to get this a lot back in the day where like a worse thing inspires something that's so much better than it but you have to give credit to that original thing and that is how i feel about this movie in a lot of ways um because the concept is so strong i think there are so many great scenes littered throughout i think like the early robert england on the tv show with you know in the freddy makeup oh, is fantastic right. um i love all that stuff i also i'll, I'll keep bouncing around here because there's a bunch of just things i liked but i love the new look of freddy in the film um i think yeah. that it's important that he looks different for narrative reasons of course i love that we see robert in the classic freddy makeup early on to distinguish the two to be like hey the freddy that you know and love this is in our world the actor playing that role and then the demon kind of that's because it's not even freddy like when you actually get into what the you know the 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 kind of killer is or whatever the threat of this movie it's like a demon entity that has basically taken on the form of this made-up character freddy krueger um and he's he's basically like it um which i think is really cool in of itself as well and, and is done really well um it does lead to unfortunately to one of the downsides which we'll get into but yeah just the overall look of freddy i love i've always loved the new nightmare look i think it's so cool yes right because like i say not many killers have these like different looks it was always the thing that, that stood out for me with someone like jason where like they they always did just these slight things in the movies where you're like oh that's what he looks like in manhattan or obviously like the crazy jason x look and or the bag over the head like i love that he always had these like different and he's definitely mm. the best of them um because i think like leatherface for example it was just oh yeah he just never looks as cool as he does in the first movie um Freddy just got drier as the movies went on yeah and like you know <laughs> th let's make this makeup quicker each time so robert doesn't have to sit in a chair for 14 hours which is fair enough um but yeah i, I just love how much more of a demon he looks in this film which again narrative wise makes sense and yeah i just love that um to kind of jump into one of the things that does is definitely a downside is we get a chaotic start we get her husband killed um and all this mad shit going on and kind of establishing that there's like freddie in this world mm. and wes craven wants to write this new film and bob chase trying to get her in the film but she doesn't want to do it because she's worried about her son <laughs> and all that stuff and then the movie turns into nancy and her son her son's acting crazy they're being terrorized by fucking her um earthquakes every two seconds which is just so weird and, and was one of the things i had to look up actually because i was like why is this even in the film and and basically mm. there was a bunch of earthquakes at the time and so wes kind of incorporated it into the story and i'm like it's just shit like it's just it doesn't help anyone um it really is just silly and it, it's such a cop-out for so many scenes of horror which is like oh she just got spooked by the earthquake again and there's quite a few scenes the are dream sequences that just go nowhere because for so long the movie doesn't want to show you the new freddy so it's yeah. like it's the glove doing random shit on its own which is fine but it just it just doesn't really do that, anything that reveal, yeah that reveal though like it's a great jump scare and a great reveal which one like when when we get to see the full makeup oh like yeah and he comes he out of the sheet or whatever the wardrobe yeah yeah no that yeah, is the wardrobe and like yeah and it's, it's great that one yeah it's, so like and like i say there are other moments like again one of the moments is when 
kind of Bob Saxon gets uh, John Saxon gets reintroduced mm. into the film and yeah. it's it's fantastic like him talking with Heather is a great scene but then this the kind of son um again narrative why why does this make sense because she's talking about like her dad his dad who's passed away and he's in heaven and when do you get to meet god and there's like these really interesting conversations that nancy has with him and then he so he's like trying to go to heaven so he's trying to get high up in this playground it's like it's really fucked up when you think about it um yeah and but it looks visually crazy where like i was my palms were sweating because i was like this kid genuinely looks like he's just standing on top of this thing completely on his own i know it really does don't it it's crazy and like they show you everything like it's not quick shots or cutaways it's like wide panoramic shots where it really looks like someone is up there on their own you know it doesn't look like it's spliced in or anything i really don't know how they did this at all which is fair play to him um and then when he kind of the climax of the scene again you would expect him to either just fall and then it'd be a cut and she's like holding him in her arms or whatever but it's like no he proper eats shit where she he just like like she kills his landing with her body which is exactly what would happen in real life she wouldn't catch him perfectly like a fireman like she would no. just use her body to break his fall and hope that neither of them die which is exactly what yeah, happened like they, they both got annihilated yeah like it was so like that scene's so good so again there's so many scenes that i genuinely love i really like a lot of the finale stuff as well i think when they actually mm. let the new freddy be new freddy is great but it's just there's a whole stretch in the in the middle of this movie where especially having just come off all of the other sequels watching them it was what was so good about three and four was that they were just littered with amazing kill sequences involving freddy and huge creativity and again i know it's a completely different vibe because it's when he's doing his one-liners and all this stuff but you could still have done it in a dark way but he needed to kill more people and he, and he needed to actually show freddy rather than just it's just the glove terrorizing nancy and her son rather than you know th- this needed to have like I mean, I mean the dream is is you get the whole cast from the original movie back and you have you know the two best friends the johnny depp character like you get all of these in the movie as actors slowly getting picked off would be awesome but then even if you say okay that's a you know an imaginary scenario the movie has robert england and wes craven in it yeah, I know. I love that Robert England is like the Englands are going away. We'll be gone for a while. Yeah, like <laughs> I, I mean, it, that that really pissed me off because he, again, that's another yeah. amazing scene. Um, I love him anyway and everything, but I think that uses the the whole like terrified child trope is one trope that I don't really like in horror. But one trope that I do absolutely love is when someone is like haunted by a menacing kind of thought or image or something, and they end up painting it on a canvas. Like I've yeah. always loved that trope it just works for me every time and so robert doing this on the phone and you see his facial expressions change and when you see that image of the new freddy on the canvas it's so cool um so i absolutely that would have almost that would have almost been like a uh you know Candyman or whatever these movies where you you have a character you know that could have been robert england's death in this movie yeah you know, we could then have a long, you know, the problem is this movie is quite long. Oh, it's so long. Um, and, and they needed, the, you know, they cut out the earthquakes, have it the same length, but have, you know, suddenly it's a 10 minute scene where Robert England comes face to face with Freddy. You know, Bob Shea, you know, Heather leaves and then he falls asleep, wakes up and, you know, he gets haunted, you know, and all of these things where we've got these people, you know, John Saxon is just mm. like, he, you know, he's in this movie so much. He has zero scrapes for Freddy. Yeah almost no right, one does yeah. like and, and again i think it was mm, purposeful from Wes because he, he tries to make it yeah. so much about this is heather slash nancy's journey but it's just weird to yeah. me where it's like you've got robert you've got you've made wes craven now a character as well in the canon by the way so like he's a pivotal person who i mean his scene is hilarious because he's like the exposition dump of the entire film he really is. where he's like i'm just going to explain everything about what the hell's going on and and now i'm going to whisper it so you better pay attention um so that scene was bizarre but yeah it's it is weird because like overall there's so many individual scenes that work here that are fantastic Mm. but like as an overall movie it's so disjointed in terms of it's front loaded it's back loaded it has this long drawn out middle where like i say there's so many bits of just nancy and her son being terrorized by spooky dreams that don't go anywhere slash earthquakes and and then the kids start screaming and oh my god i've you know 
I've turned on the TV again, which again, that could have been a cool thing. The idea of her son actually being haunted by a movie that that his mom had made. That's mm. such a cool idea, but it's it's really undercooked and, and is not really used in any sort of interesting capacity at all. Um, so, yeah, I, I really like the film. so much. They yeah. threw so much. Like you said, you know, that that in itself would have been a cool idea. Mm. And, and that that is the problem that like in not not so much of a problem but it was that yeah there, there is like 50 ideas in this yeah you know the real freddy krueger the curse the the heather being nancy the the stalker the child being haunted by her movies you know like, so many things also and, like wes craven kind of yeah. right in the story as it's happening in real time as well as bizarre <laughs> Because we kind of get like the he's having the conversation with Nancy and then it's like it's literally already written on the screen next to him. And you're like, mm. what does this even mean? Yeah. Like, again, it's interesting, but it, it <laughs> needs to go somewhere. Um, and, and, he, and even the finale stuff where it's like, OK, you've now established Freddy is a completely different entity. There's none of this, you know, his entire backstory. He is just a some sort of demon entity that has taken the form of a famous horror film yeah. character which again that's a brilliant concept because you can suddenly do so much more with that character than you've never done before where yeah he's not going to have these quips and one-liners you know like i love that robert barely talks when he's playing like the new freddy in this film which i think is so cool yeah. um so yeah I think there's... it was needed Mm, yeah it would have been so weird wouldn't it if he'd have like tried to do it. and even the look with the trench coat and the different hat is i just love the way new freddy looks in this movie so much um like yeah, i say there's the, the great scenes for me really carry this movie where as an overall film i have problems but like there's the individual scenes are so strong that i end up having such a good time with it um mm. So, yeah, how do you feel sort of overall um, in terms of, I guess, I think it's so hard to judge this both as a movie, as a Nightmare on Elm Street sequel, as a Wes Craven movie. There's so many different ways to view it. Yeah, it hurts. It hurts my head. <laughs> I think um, there, there are a couple of things about it that, like, for example, the soundtrack, mm. I felt I felt like the soundtrack was lacking. It was really bad. Definitely. Um, you know, we get the Nightmare on Elm Street theme in the finale of the movie. And we don't get it for the rest of the movie. That's, I have zero problems with that because that makes perfect sense that that theme doesn't work with this movie. But the movie needed to have a theme and it just felt very generic. Yeah, I couldn't it believe really how bad felt... the score was at one of the points. I can't remember what it was, yeah. but it was so bad. It's just, yeah, it was just like the, the most generic stock movie sounds ever. And, and I found that really surprising for a Wes Craven Nightmare on Elm Street movie, you know, um, so I think I think that's you know one thing that I did want to touch upon. I think um, yeah, for me, I find this movie insane to really try to sit down and digest what I think of it. Um, but I, I do really like it. I think it's a movie that over the years I do massively like underrate it in my mind, and I don't excessively go back and rewatch it. Mm. And I do wonder whether that is you know, somewhere in my head where I'm like, yeah, I can't, you know, this movie isn't something I can watch all the time. Um, cause, cause that definitely has happened, but, but having not seen it for a long time and kind of watched it, you know, rewatched it for the show this week. Like it was, it was a really fun time. I think there are some real standout scenes. Like you say, the new, the new look Freddy looks amazing. And the whole like babysitter scene is just, just like one of the best scenes of the entire franchise. Um, and I think there's a couple of scenes like that that are incredibly iconic. Um, but then you get the the lack of soundtrack and this, um, you know, weird molding of CGI scenes and stuff like that because it was in this weird hybrid period. And it's like, oh, okay, there's, you know, weird things. And then you've got kind of, you know, people like trying to act playing themselves but then you've got actors trying to play people in the real world and some of them are worse than the actual <laughs> like non-actors mm. like the boyfriend i found very strange yeah um like his the whole scene when he's in the car falling asleep and stuff was just very awkward yeah. and a lot of his interactions i found awkward um yeah i didn't buy him know, as like a couple of me like at all in this no film. i didn't buy him as a couple and i didn't buy him as like a person really. <laughs> yeah i get that <laughs> <laughs> like i you know i i found i found him odd and yeah them them as a couple was very strange um there was a scene where they like kind of kiss and stuff when he's then leaving and it just felt very like 
not yeah not like a married couple it was strange yeah it, um, that is what's weird about it is that there are just these weird elements that unfortunately drag it down slightly because had they just hmm. honed in on more like like with getting john back and kind of and, and heather is so good in the movie as well where if they would have really made this more i feel like that's what would happen if you made this movie now is that you would go hmm. all out on that sort of stuff and you would get all those people back and it's funny even reading about it here where basically craven had intended on johnny depp being in this film um right. and sort of make an appearance as himself but he was apparently too scared to ask him if he would be in the film really? and then he ran that's, into that's him crazy. after the fact and johnny depp said he would have been happy to do it um right. of course he would yeah well it's and it's even weirder because he had a shitty cameo in the last terrible film so like What's of course he would have like been in this that, like it's weird because obviously like with 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 johnny depp like in in like recent like years his his fame and fandom uh you know because of pirates of the caribbean etc has kind of like you know and even like the tim burton movies i mean when was edward, edward scissorhands a uh, 90 like yeah so like obviously like we're not you know it's not a million miles like past that like he's not he's not the johnny depp where he was this global icon and i just think like you know he was he was appearing in freddy's dead like if wes picks up the phone and be like oh remember me the guy that that put you in the first your first ever movie do you want to come back and play yourself and do this cool thing yeah like of course he'd have done it yeah he's not like you say he's like fair and loven in las vegas didn't come out until four years after this he was right in the sort of early days of timber and i think edward was the same year so yeah yeah like it's just it, it would it's a shame because it would have been epic if he was in it well yeah but that would have been such a um, cool moment to it when heather's really sort of losing it and she's like oh i've got this friend who kind of he knows more than any anyone how to sort of deal with these struggles of fame and stuff and then it's like you'll get that mm. call because again when, like when john comes into the movie it just it just kind of puts a smile on your face because it feels like oh it's the nightmare on elm street family kind of getting things back together mm. and that was why you know, there is multiple other characters from that original movie that could have appeared here that I think really would have really added to it rather than, like I say, just this throwaway husband. I, I think as well, the fact that he's so terrible is because he gets killed way too early. Like, he gets killed yeah. off and then it's about 30 or 40 minutes until anyone else dies in the whole film, which is really weird. He's gone so early doors. <laughs> yeah, because then that's when you just get, oh, it's just going to be her and her son spooked in these crappy scenes. And I think that's... I don't want to just drag the movie for that one part that I really didn't like, but that is what would stop me from like massively rewatching this in the future because those that sort of twenty to thirty minute spell, which is littered with a couple of good scenes, like right in the middle of that is my probably my favorite scene, which was the playground scene that I mentioned. But like either side of that, there's just so much crap in this film, um, which is yeah, it's a shame because yeah, like Heather's amazing, Robert is so good, John's amazing, like. The, the again concept 10 out of 10 concept it's so good and and so ahead of its time but yeah it's a i really like this film but i i i just there's part of me that thinks this could have been one of wes's best films and i don't think it is um no it was almost like yeah if he'd have had a warm-up before this film but instead this was the warm-up and then he made screen exactly which is like I mean? listen at the end I of the think, day it's yeah. fine <laughs> but yeah, obviously exactly. we're only we're only talking about this film now but yeah i think in the yeah. grand scheme of things we lucked out the, the parts of it though where like obviously like lin shay like mm. not playing lin shay <laughs> yeah or playing yeah who she played she just plays another because she's is she a teacher in the original film and she's like a nurse yeah. in this film it's so weird <laughs> Like that, I found hilarious, and obviously, like the um, you know, the the, the direct lines of dialogue, the screw your past bit was excellent. Yeah, uh, that worked so <laughs> well. And obviously, like when Heather starts to get the gray hair and stuff, yeah. and then like it was great with John when he just like he called her Nancy once. Yeah, and I was like, he just fucking called her Nancy. I remember like not not this time, but like the first time I watched it, I was like, he's called her Nancy, and then like he did it again. I was like he's calling her nancy what's going on and then he like he slowly looks more and more like cop. oh it's it's <laughs> actually amazing like i'm so glad you mentioned that because those scenes are so good like when he when she sees like the badge really on his on his um yeah. belt and she and, it, and then he's like she's like why'd you call me nancy and he's like why'd you call me john like it, it's such a good back and forth and again that's <laughs> something that 
that could have been what this whole film was about was them slowly falling into the world and yeah and like that world that you know springwood where it is called springwood isn't it where it's uh yeah um that yeah. world becoming a reality and like elm street becoming an actual physical real life location that would have been enough yeah like uh her keep that's why he threw so much shit yeah. at the wall. that was a problem because yeah, like we got to see the the Elm Street house. Mm. Like, imagine if she if she kept seeing her house as that house throughout the whole movie, and she like Elm Street slowly bled into the real world. But it was just like there were so many ideas. Yeah, and then if she that scene, if she's like oh then, having dreams where she's like oh am I imagining that I am a famous movie star who mm. made this film? You know, <laughs> as a sort of reality to get out of my real world that I am actually yeah. Nancy Thompson. Yeah, like it's her, hus- her husband wasn't dead. Like he could have been like no, you're Heather. She's yeah, not Nancy. <laughs> Exactly. You know, it would have been. It would have been fun. So yeah, but I think uh, that scene though, like it, it, like describing it and thinking of it, I'm like, how is that not a spoof? Because it, it feels like a scary movie spoof. Or when they're where, becoming like, their characters. More more yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Like, it gets more and more ridiculous. But it was really played very straight. Mm. Like, you know, there's zero laughs in it, but every time you cut back to john he's like looking more and more like nancy's dad and it's just like when he pulls like even the car just had like a little light on the top to begin with Mm. and by the end of it it was a full police car like driving off like it's it's weird that it was as straight as it was even though it was really funny and over the top zaniness yeah and i think i think it i think those sorts of scenes show exactly why Wes like making Nightmare on Elm Street was something so different to the rest of the franchise. You know, when you look at the original movie in this, in the almost no one could do that scene in a Nightmare on Elm Street movie and not have like Freddy Krueger laughs in it. Mm. And and you know, the first Nightmare is incredibly dark, and this is very dark. And the rest of the franchise kind of took all of those parts, but just couldn't mold it into this dark thing that wes did and just went more into the spoofy comedy and you know it i do i do think those you know that seems like that in particular just show why people just did what they did because it, like that is a funny scene but but watching it i was not at all i wasn't laughing at all i was just like mesmerized by it slowly happening yeah it, it is interesting that yeah he basically did the precursor to scary movie as well uh, mm. before that was a thing where yeah it is it, it's fascinating that i i when you get into that world like <laughs> scream like scream is scary movie and then yeah. scary movie exists because of scream like it's like yeah it's a perfect yeah, circle you start to get meta on meta yeah it's like what came first yeah exactly scream or scary movie <laughs> i don't know yeah so well technically you know it was called scary movie so uh that's the real answer but um i i would love yeah. like i because that's never sleep again they, they, they talk about all the films mm. right on that documentary they do so yeah. i really want to watch specifically this part because even just reading about it now so mm. going through the cast and characters yeah. and it says wes craven playing himself um director craven initially scripted himself as a man driven insane by nightmares which is pretty close to what we got um mm. who had cut off his own eyelids to stay awake and th- <laughs> this is where it gets mental because i had to read this sentence about four times i still don't think i fully understand it and was being driven by michael berryman's character from the hills have eyes so in this world (laughs) he'd cut off his own eyelids to stay awake so he's blind i guess where where, where have you read this where have you just start again this is wikipedia (laughs) what what part of wikipedia under the cast (laughs) right okay yeah. yeah and he so but he was being the thing i don't someone, someone's having a laugh yeah of us. he was someone, being <laughs> someone a listener, a listener, knew that we were doing this movie and has had a laugh with wikipedia well done well, i just done, love guys. the concept Whatever of not not michael berryman michael berryman's character specifically from yeah. the hills of eyes yeah. so but we're not we're not gonna name him <laughs> yeah like so i can't even get my head around that the idea that he made this film but then that character i can't even explain it it makes no sense hang on so he's being led by pluto so pluto's real Pluto's real in this now world and he's the driver for the the real life director wes craven who i'm assuming didn't make a movie called the hells of eyes in this canon what what's pluto's motive to he's just a driver you gotta make a living don't you oh i mean 
<laughs> it makes sense why the driver was like quite prevalent yeah. in, with with Nancy. Like, I also love that it adds. Uh, Craven decided to opt for a more comforting setting of being in a nice house in the Hollywood Hills instead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he started to put the prosthetics on with no eyelids and was like, "Fuck this, Robert can <laughs> get back in the chair." <laughs> yeah, he's like, "Guess what? I'm just gonna sit in my room and just whisper lines once, and we're gonna use yeah. that one take Robert, in the movie." Robert's like. Robert England comes down one day and is like, hang on, Wes, why have you got your eyelids back in the <laughs> mansion? And why am I donning the old Freddy makeup now? <laughs> like, He's like, well, guess what? Not only have you got to do that, but you've also got the brand new makeup, which takes even longer because you have like the eyes that are different and it's way more complicated. It looks, it looks really terrifying, I think. Like, I love I it. Think, you know, when he's just... There's 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 a lot of... There's so much depth to the makeup, I think, with this one, where it really does, like, it's... It doesn't make sense, but it doesn't need to make sense because of what this yeah, character is. Exactly. You know, it, it, they can have more fun with it. Awesome. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's why that if this had just been a Nightmare on Elm Street movie and he looked like this, it would be weird. Yeah. But even then, it wouldn't be that weird because it's Freddy Krueger. Like he can make himself look whatever he wants to look like. But I think, like like you said, this version of freddy krueger this this mythical kind of real life realization um rebranding was was perfect you know the fedora just with that with that green and the jumper update and everything it just was so fresh and i think you know it shows that even today that freddy krueger is iconic you know you're still getting figures made of it and and artwork and everything that that even obviously the the OG Freddy, but it's incredible that Wes was be able to create this brand new version that that is that is you know on par with the original iconic look. Yeah, it's really interesting, especially when you compare it to Scream. When I think any time they've deviated away from that original mask hasn't worked, in my opinion. Um, and it's curious whether or not what they'll do going forward with the new movie because I feel when like have that's they? when have they? Well, there's from there's the been. Obviously, like in the universe, there's stab stuff, which is which is fine. And but there was like the TV show and different things. But I feel like there's always been concept art. I like, guess I guess the TV, the TV show did have a bit of a yeah. Different mask, I I, 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 feel, I feel like ultimately it's because the in pre-production for all these films, it's the first thing that they try and come up with, but they just can't yeah. figure it out. And I. I I'm going to make a prediction. I think there will be some sort of different mask in the next film because I, I think they're just going so mental with this new film, and I think that's one of the yeah. biggest things that you can change. I don't think it will look like what it did in the last film, um, but that's mm. a completely different kettle of fish. But yeah, we uh, we need to rank this bad boy. Um, Shit. Yeah, it's going to be a hard one. Um, so the ranking so far, this is a long one. Good. So strap in. Um, currently, number one is A Nightmare on Elm Street. Number two is Scream. Number three is Scream 4. Uh, number four is The Hills of Eyes Part 2. Number five... <laughs> we can always change it. Number five is The Hills of Eyes. Number six is Scream 2. Number seven is Shocker. Number eight is The Last House on the Left. Uh, number nine is The People Under the Stairs. Number ten is Scream 3. Number 11 is Swamp Thing. Number 12, Deadly Blessing. Number 13, Deadly Friend. And number 14, The Serpent and the Rainbow. So. <laughs> Poor old Scream 3. <laughs> uh, I'd say I'd yeah. say it's valued correctly. <laughs> I think it probably is, but it's just very funny. It could maybe go um, up one, but I'm not, I'm not worried about it. <laughs> nah, nah, it's good. It's good. Yeah, I mean, I I think for me, like you, you've already got to start talking like Glass House on the left sort of level. Let's not let's not fuck around. Yeah, um, it's it's. I love this way more than People Under the Stairs. So yeah, I'm I'm yeah. I'm looking at nine upwards for sure. Um, yeah, I think it's definitely not top four. Um, no. It's it's no, it's not top five. It's not. I don't like it better than the original Hills of Eyes. Um, so, no, what's after Hills of... What's so the, the middle three, we've got number six is Scream 2, number seven yeah. is Shocker, and number eight is The Last House on the Left. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think, for me, I like this more than Shocker. Mm. Like, I think I'm in, I'm in, I think I'm in that territory. 
like around there yeah it has so um, many good scenes this film like it's it's difficult yeah. because it, it has things in it that the i think as a complete movie and what it was trying to achieve the last house on the left is better than this film but yeah but i think that's the same with shocker mm. like shocker falls apart at points as well oh no it definitely like, did yeah the, yeah like the first half of that movie was incredible and then it went like batshit yeah and you know but yeah definitely last house is a much more you know complete narrative in comparison to them but but yeah i just you know i think i think i think i like this one more and i and I, and then i you know as you were going through the list i'm like trying to weigh up between this and shocker and i'm like i think you know i don't i don't think for me it gets it gets to the you know the, the level of the scream franchise yeah it's definitely um, not better than scream 2 so so then i'm like is it is it better than shocker i think it's better than last house and, and in my mind i think it is better than shocker yeah I, I i can agree with that i think that's fine um because i think it's actually very weirdly similar to shocker and that as yeah. an overall movie it has problems but it has so many good moments but i do think that pound for pound this movie does have better moments um that there are just so many good scenes with with robert with heather that playground scene is fantastic i think the whole finale with this new demon freddy is fantastic as well mm. um i just i do wish that like say had they been littered out with interesting kills involving this new demon freddy we'd have been talking about a completely different film it, um it is funny when i was watching it i i was like i feel like this should have been a tv show yeah and it would have and in 2022 it would have been a tv show because mm. There were so many ideas, you know, the whole Hansel and Gretel like story yeah. narrative, but then webbed into the finale. It's like, you know, this really felt like it needed to be like 10 hours worth mm. of a movie. And the movie was already long. But yeah. it, it just, um, you know, there was so many things thrown at it. But I think, you know, when I think of this movie, I do think of the highs and I think more landed than failed. Mm. And it was just more that like, you know like like all good things where we're like oh the new freddy was so good we wanted like a higher body can and we wanted this but but actually like even like the earthquake scenes that you spoke about i i do get the criticism i do agree with it but i wasn't like you know it doesn't take you out of it mm. you know um and so yeah i think i think that's the right place for me so yeah brand new number seven movie pretty much bang in the middle of the list at this point um obviously below screen two but above shocker um yeah, I mean, it's interesting that his our top seven is franchise films. Obviously, two nightmares, mm. three screams, and two hills, um, which makes sense because I think those are clearly his sort of three big Where boys. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like when you think about Wes, you obviously think Scream, you think Nightmare, and then you think Hills of Eyes in that order. So, or certainly, you know, Hills is third to those other two. Um, but yeah, very interesting. I think obviously going forward, who knows when it'll next be? Do, do, do you know what movie's next? We got Vampire next. Yeah, so I, I think I'm right in saying that this will be the last movie that neither of us have seen for this ranking. Right. So yeah, right. that's pretty exciting. Like, I have no idea whether I'm going to like this film. It looks funny. Got, it looks crazy. Yeah. Like, it looks gnarly. And it's such, like, a weird thing that, like, I was... I'm aware... I've been aware of this movie for a long, long time. Yeah. But I'd never realized that it was a Wes movie for ages. Yeah. And, you know, I've never seen it. And I think I think I probably would have seen it if I'd have known it was a Wes movie sooner. But um, you know, the ranking of Wes Craven is a perfect time for it. And have we got have we got three left, or have we got more than three? Yeah. So next up is Vampire. Then obviously it would have been the Scream trilogy, which we've already covered. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, it's Cursed, Red Eye, and My Soul to Take. So four in oh, total. First, I was I was forgetting. Yeah, Red, Red Eye is going to be wild. Yeah, that's uh, that's going to be a good one. Um, I'm, I'm I, I think all four of these could be interesting for very different reasons. Mm. Like I've never seen Vampire um i've only seen cursed once and can barely remember anything um won't go into our thoughts on red eye right now and then i again i think i've only seen my soul to take once um so cursed and my soul to take are almost new films for me um i have seen them though but i can just man if i had to like I actually the, say what happened remember the werewolf flipping, flipping the bird yeah I remember. I remember oh i remember there's so much controversy with cursed obviously not to get into it but it was one another one of those movies that kind of got butchered and you know still to this day people want to see like the actual true director's cut um yeah 
fascinating that that movie's written by Kevin Williamson as well. That's going to be an interesting one. Wow. Um, but yeah, I'm re- I'm looking forward to it. Like uh, whenever it will be, we'll uh, we we will reconvene on this. It's always nice having this on the back burner when things get slow even though we haven't needed to mm. for a while but i'm sure there'll be the the classic february march next year where we'll uh oh the low will happen the low oh will yeah happen. it'll always happen um though we've got a lot of stuff to look forward to next year but yeah this will be this will be a good one but yeah that was our discussion on wes craven's a new nightmare we will take a quick break and we will be right back So yeah, that is uh, pretty much it for for this week. Anyway, um, as we said at the start of the show, next week's the big one. So if you uh, if you want to get involved, obviously the the they'll be in the description. But you can email us at superhorrorbrospodcast at gmail or just send us a message on Twitter at shbpod. If you want to send us, you know, a list of your favourites, just whatever your favourite film was or favourites. Um, we've already had a few on Twitter and in the email, so that'd be nice to go over next week and sort of see what you guys are liking as well. See if they. Uh, are the same as us or if we're being controversial once again um yeah we're seeing some you know we're seeing some movies that are on our list and some movies that aren't on our list which is fun yeah i always like to see that for sure um but yeah that'll be great next week just i just wanted to briefly mention now um and especially because you know next week is purely just best of stuff um obviously Mm -hmm. i've been talking a lot about the last of us in recent weeks um because i cannot (laughs) stop no it's the new psycho gorman i can't stop myself right now um i'm good i'm good with it though because the last of us is one of my favorite things yeah i um i i replayed the entire um the last of us part one over the weekend and left behind which was the expansion for the first game um absolutely incredible obviously as part of the game playthrough just out of curiosity or adjacent to it uh what do you mean because i think i think when they did the ps4 version left behind you you did as part of the playthrough oh really did they what like, did they re-edit yeah. the game because that seems weird to me if that's the case yeah because it's like it's set during yeah we do, don't say when it is we, yeah it's set during yeah. winter yeah um yeah well i didn't i didn't i, well, I mean i was just going to say briefly and then i guess i'll explain it is that obviously i played the game at launch which was mm-hmm. what 2013 um mm-hmm. on playstation 3 and then i played remastered in 2015 i think it was or maybe 16 so it's been so long obviously that was on playstation 4 so it's been a very long time since i actually experienced the entirety of this story from start to finish um obviously this remake is beautiful like in 4k it's stunning it is you know if you've not experienced this story before it is by far the best way to do it um so it's absolutely fantastic and but yeah on, on the disc you just sort of you play the game and it just says like part one or left behind but when you ho- oh, when you hover over left behind it does it does recommend that you've played part one first um yeah because yeah otherwise it wouldn't make a lot of sense um but yeah yeah i had a funny feeling that there was like a like a version where you did it like that and you and you, you did it as part of winter yeah that's weird i don't i don't remember that but um it could be the case but yeah it's it was amazing replaying it again obviously i think what really stand stood out to me was obviously it was so ahead of its time in 2013 like as this narrative for a video game because there's only one cutscene in the whole game which is over five minutes long um and it's and it's barely six minutes like it's the the big (laughs) emotional story beats which you know we're gonna see and talk about in the tv show they're they're very quick and so that's something that i cannot wait to see fleshed out amongst hours of tv because we're talking about big character moments reveals and all these different things um that are going to be so cool to see but it's like it kind of is is mind-blowing that they're able to emotionally resonate between really good awesome tense gameplay but the actual scenes and the performances of the characters is so small um yeah which yeah Yeah, that relationship between joel and ellie you think that that has been that crystallizes and you feel that bond Mm. and you care so deeply and you don't get more than a five minute cutscene for that to get materialized yeah. like it's crazy i know i couldn't believe it because i i and it, it's weird because it's not noticeable when you play the game but i you know when you beat it you can kind of see a list of all the cutscenes if you want to rewatch mm. them at the end and that was when i and it shows you the length and I, that was what surprised me and granted some of them are like back to back within small moments of gameplay but it was just but also, surprising to me 
fact that it's bled into the story. Yeah. You know, you think like, you know, a scene involving a certain animal is like, that's not a cutscene. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, and just their dialogue, you know, the way that Ellie starts talking shit to Joel and how he eventually has that rapport backwards and forwards. None of that's a cutscene. That's yeah. all in game. Like that, that's what's so revolutionary about it. Well, one of the awesome little yeah. things is kind of, cause I did absolutely everything you could do as well, like hundred percent of right. it. And obviously there's like optional conversations and artifacts, but one of the optional things is the joke book. And I'd kind of forgot yeah. how pivotal that is in sort of Joel and Ellie's relationship is this use of a joke book. And I'm, I'm just so fascinated if something like that is going to make an appearance in the TV show or not. Yeah, you're right. It'd be cool. And obviously all the comics and everything, mm -hmm. you know, her collecting those. Exactly, yeah. So there's so oh, much... There's got to be some sort of thorn going on in the TV show. Oh, yeah. I can't wait to see all that. But, yeah, it was a blast. I adored it. I've gone straight into part two, um, which I wasn't <laughs> expecting to do. No, uh, I wasn't expecting that. No, but I just... I need more. I can't help myself right now. I've already... Well, you've got more. Yeah, I've already finished, and the TV show's still a month away. Um, but, yeah, I've only played part two once at launch, which was in uh, June 2020. So I'm very fascinated to play it. Obviously, i'm not going to talk remotely about the story but like yeah it's obviously a game that i don't love as much as part one i like it quite a bit um but i am curious like even just starting the game i'm only about four or five hours in but it's that it's crazy because the scenes are just so much longer so you, you immediately get so much more character and i was kind of shocked mm. at how much of what i love from joel and ellie i'd almost misremembered was in the first game when actually it's in part two so i already feel like i'm going to get more from this the second time around but yeah mm. i'm having a blast i I just can't wait to talk about this show weekly on the podcast it's gonna be so fascinating to kind of dissect and we'll do like a a normal tv spoiler warning for the episode and then we'll probably do an additional one talking about you know potential future stuff in the video game as well because i really don't want to spoil it for people that haven't played the game but yeah yeah we'll see i i don't like i don't personally see us getting too ahead of what the tv show shows us not like, too far no you know yeah because that's going to be the fun and i think weekly we will talk spoilers about the episode that week yeah. and we can talk about how it's bled into the video game because you know both of us being such huge fans like i've not replayed the game recently but um i've played it so many goddamn times that you know uh, it, it's it's there in my brain yeah i i just everything they've been saying especially about the kind of cut content from the original game mm. one of the biggest things mm. is ellie's mum, anna like she's mentioned yeah. so much you read letters from her but she's obviously never seen and we really don't, don't know too much about her and so the fact that she seems to have a presence in the tv show like just stuff like that there's so many characters there's a character called ish that you never meet except through notes yeah. in the game yeah, and, and i'm like if they get to flesh out that story in the tv show that's what's going to make this so special so yeah i cannot wait i just hope they don't fuck this up um because yeah i don't think i've ever been excited for a new tv show like i am for this one um no. but yeah that'll be uh, that'll be good in the new year but obviously before then we've got to talk about the the best of 2022 i'm looking forward Damn. to it it's been a, been a pretty good year hasn't it so um Hell of yeah lots of good shit to talk about next week um but for now that was episode 328 thanks for listening as always and we'll see you again very soon see you later everyone through my veins and travels to my head they said you'll die soon enough anyway shut up i can't mainly because i never could how could i start that